Today on Abounding Grace. When you're in trials, difficulties, you have a tendency to just think about yourself. You have a tendency to just think about getting out. You have a tendency to think about, man, this is not fair, this is wrong. And we all go through those seasons. But here's the way out. Be ready for the opportunities that your trial is going to bring in other people's lives. Be ready for the opportunities for your trial that God, especially when you're being persecuted unfairly, be ready to give a defense. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. It is time once again for Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Glad you could join us as we press on in our study of 1 Peter, which has as its theme, strength through suffering. If you'll recall, these first century believers Peter is addressing were being tested and challenged. Their lives were on the line. As believers, some 2,000 years later, we can expect to suffer and face persecution as well. But today, we'd like you to see the great opportunity that awaits you as you do. Here's Pastor Ed in 1 Peter 3. Don't let threats be troubling. Trust the Lord with the things in your life you have no control over. And in this condition, you're being treated bad for doing good. You are being persecuted for righteousness sake. It's not fair. It's unfair upon unfair upon unfair. In that condition comes a very familiar passage, verse 15. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed because it is better if it's the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Rather than being fearful, rather than over-exaggerating threats and antagonism, we learn to commit ourselves afresh and anew to Jesus our Lord. Now this passage in verse 15 is often the place where a person that's into apologetics will take you to substantiate their ministry, apologetics. And that's where we get this word, apologetics. Defense is the word. It's not, when you hear apologetics, it's the ministry of apologetics is not apologizing for the faith. It rather is the Greek word that means to defend and to stand for the truth. So a person that's into apologetics a person that that's a passion for, loves to defend the truth, loves to give uh, knowledge and information that's going to substantiate biblical truth. And it comes from this passage right here. Be ready, set aside your heart and a place in your life to defend, give a defense for your faith, a defense for the Christian faith. One reason you need to know what you believe and why you believe it is because people come into our lives all the time and want to know. They ask good questions. 
men and women in our lives ask good questions. They have, they, they have, they're very observant, and they want to know what you believe and why you believe it. And you know when people really begin to watch your life? It's not just when you say you're a Christian. It's not just when you invite someone to church. It's not just when you do good deeds at the office and maybe you're known for, you know, Fridays bringing in pies or things just to bless everyone. You're just known. It's not those times when they're watching. It's those times when they know that you're in the fire. And now everything that you've said along the way in good times is now being tested. And they're wanting to know why you're still continuing on as a Christian. That's really the essence of this. They want to hear you explain, why don't you give up? Why don't you quit? Why don't you turn on that God who you had all of these years of good, and now look what's happening in your family. Look what's happening with your health. Look what's happening. Why? Why are you so filled with hope? Why are you not complaining? Why are you not like everyone? Why is, are, is there a difference in your life? I, I've been watching you with the pies and I've been watching you with the Christmas gifts. I've been watching you, but now I'm super curious. Why? When you're suffering for doing good or you're suffering as a quote unquote good person, you can expect that good questions will come your way. Good questions. And let me just say this, Christians, this is a very important Good questions demand and require good answers. Good questions demand and require good answers. And those good questions that demand good answers, the answers aren't always supposed to come from me. Well, you know, I don't know, but you can email Pastor Ed. No, no, actually, a better way to handle that is I, I don't know, but I'm going to look it up. And I'm going to find an answer to that. I've never heard it asked that way before. I've never even thought about that. I've never even seen it that way before. And instead of sending them to someone else, you got to understand God sent them to you. And there are ways that you can find good answers. Let me give you a free website right now. Now, not every, I'm not endorsing every single article on this website. So there's some things on there that I would disagree with. But for the most part, they do a good job. It's called gotquestions.org. Gotquestions.org. And you can plug in just about any question that's on your mind, and they have thousands of articles there that are generally good. Generally good. And I'd encourage you, if you're looking for answers, that's a great website. I know Pastor Gino Geraci, as he's handed over the ministry there in Littleton to Pastor Jonathan, part of his ministry in the um, now leaving pastoral ministry in, into his future, he's starting to work with gotquestions.org a lot. And he writes a lot of the answers for them as well, gotquestions.org. Another one that I've mentioned before on the radio and I mentioned here is this book right here. It's called When Critics Ask. And it says it's a popular handbook of Bible difficulties. This is no longer in print, so you will have to order it if you want it used. And so you have to find where you can get it used and where you get used books. But I have used this particular book since it came out, like when it was first published. So it was published in 1992. And perfect timing because I got saved uh, in 1991. 
And I really wanted to know solid answers. And one of the reasons why the author is Norman Geisler, G-E-I-S-L-E-R. It's actually part of a two-volume resource. Um, when critics ask, is the Bible difficulty? And then there's a thinner one, when skeptics ask. Great resource. And I'll tell you why I like it. It's not just, here's the question, here's the answer. He gives you different options. He says, well, some people believe this. Some people believe this. This is what I believe and why. And it gives you the biblical substantiation of why he came to his conclusion. And the reason I like that is because it not only gives you the answer, but it also helps you to think it through. Because you may just come to the conclusion, you know what, I don't agree with guys, so I like the biblical reason for point one. Great. Welcome to the body of Christ. The body of Christ that loves to disagree about secondary things. That's just the way it is. But if you can disagree about secondary things because you have a firm biblical belief... Great, hold to it. Study to show yourself approved. The workman not, needeth not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth, the Bible says. And you can learn how to do this. You don't need to go to school, although that would help. You can learn by simply reading, praying, and allowing the Holy Spirit to help you through. Because there are some difficulties in the Bible, for sure. I happen to spend my life with the wrestling with the Bible, but you not so much. And the time that you do go through the scriptures devotionally or reading to test everything that I've taught and hold fast to what is good, you will come across difficulties and you don't want to just dismiss them. You want to learn through them. So the Holy Spirit will use you. You want to be ready to give a defense to everyone that says in verse 15 that's going to ask you. And notice what they're going to see. What will prompt the question? Well, they're going to ask you a reason for the hope that's in you. Now, how would they possibly know that there's hope in you? but by your response to difficult times. Your outward response, and remember, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks by your words and your actions, especially when the fires are turned up. But the danger, instead of being ready, instead of being ready in difficult times, instead of being ready to talk about Jesus, the danger is always to run away and quit. And I've met too many that have a tendency just to step back when times get tough and give up because the pressure's so intense. But Peter says that's exactly the time to be ready. Not ready, he says, to blast people with Bible answers, to belittle people because they don't know or, you know, the question was simple and, and you go, oh, what kind of a simple question? You don't even know. Like, it's not to belittle people. It's not to badger people. It's not to beat down people with the Bible, but rather he says, give the answer with what? Meekness and fear. Fear of God and a meekness toward man. Meekness, you could say, is gentleness. And fear, you could also write next to it, I think another version translates this, gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. And we're to always be ready. We're to set our lives apart for this very reason which is counterintuitive. Once again, when you're in trials, difficulties, you have a tendency to just think about yourself. You have a tendency to just think about getting out. You have a tendency to think about, man, this is not fair. This is wrong. And we all go through those seasons. But here's the way out. Be ready for the opportunities that your trial is going to bring in other people's lives. Be ready for the opportunities for your trial that God, especially when you're being persecuted unfairly, be ready to give a defense Notice the position in verse 16 is having a good conscience, a clean conscience. And this is a key for all of us living in Jesus. 
I, I like to think of uh, my conscience and, as keeping short accounts and knowing that there isn't anything that I know of. There isn't anything that I'm hiding. As I put my pillow down on, uh, my head down on the pillow every night, I have a peace that comes from God because there's nothing hidden between me and Him. You can't buy a good conscience. You can't manufacture it. You can't work toward it. But you can live with one. You can live with a clean conscience. You, you can say, as much as I know, I'm clean before the Lord. Or with someone else. As much as I know, I, I'm good with you. I mean, as much as possible, I choose to live at peace with you. As, as much, and if you have something to add into my relationship and my family, you go, no, Ed, this is, this is what we need to Well, then now, it's not because I don't have a clean conscience. It's because I didn't know. And living with a clean conscience just helps us along the way. Because we live in the light, the Bible says. Turn over to 1 John. We haven't turned anywhere. Would you turn to 1 John with me? That's going to be just a couple pages over from Peter. 1 John to the right, uh, chapter 1. I love this verse. It helps our clean conscience. I'm not stinking around. I'm not lying. I don't have anything in my private life that if revealed would embarrass me or embarrass my Lord. A clean conscience helps me when accusations come. Because one of the things that will come, uh, one of the difficulties of trials of doing good will be false accusations. And, and people will accuse you of things that is the exact opposite, like on the far end of the spectrum of your current life. And, and how will you be able to be ready? How will you be able to give an answer? How will you be able to give an apologia, is the Greek word, for your faith in times like that? Well, it requires a clean conscience it requires, no, that's false. Yeah, but everybody's saying it. I, I don't care if everybody's saying it. Between me and my Lord, my life is clean. And it's not true. And accusations do come and they will come. And notice he says here in verse 5 of chapter 1, 1 John. This is the message which we've heard from him and declare to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We're to have a clear conscience. If you have a guilty conscience, you've given ammunition to the enemy of your souls to beat you up. And condemn you. And then he hits you. And then he hardens you. And then he encourages what's being hidden in the darkness. However, when you confess it, Jesus will cleanse you. When you repent of it, you can leave it in your past. And you will find that God will give you the most peaceful, restful night sleep. He will begin to ease there's no more secret sins, no more junk that we feel helpless about. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And we live and walk in that victory. We have a good conscience. Why? So in verse 16, when they, back to Peter, when they defame you as evildoers, and remember they're being defamed as evildoers for doing good, which is just so painful to endure. It is so not fun where they are literally being lied about for the worst of the worst, but they're actually doing good. 
And the purpose of being ready and the purpose of sharing and the purpose of having a clean conscience and the purpose of living in the light is what? So that those that revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Life in, that, that flows from us as believers should provoke in unbelievers a response. And the response is either going to be evil <laughs> for your doing good or it's going to be curiosity for your response to the evil being done to you while you're doing good. Our lives should provoke a response. Our lives of obedience and righteousness, living with a clean conscience. He says the summary in verse 17, and just allow the, this is one of those verses where you, you and I, we need to allow the Bible to say what it says and believe it. And he says it's better if it's the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil, which feels the worst. It feels bad to suffer for doing good. And I'm sure that some of us have read this text at one point in our lives. No, 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 Bible. It's actually better not to suffer at all. <laughs> it's actually better not to suffer at all. But Peter says, look, this is life as pilgrims and sojourners, when the pressure's on and it's layer after layer after layer and it's unfair and it's just plain evil and your response is good and their response is more evil and your response is good and their response is more evil. Keep your conscience clear. Live in an obedient, abiding life and be ready to engage a lost world. When they ask you, I don't, there, there's something different about you. There's something different. You know, when, when people will say something about our church family, this particular church family, but it's true across the board, really. But when they say, well, you know, I'm not going to go to Calvary anymore because it's just full of hypocrites. We're taking the heat for somebody's hypocrisy. Maybe it was ours, but probably not. But we're taking the heat for someone else's behavior. And our first response is what? Defensiveness. But the reality is, is that how we respond to that will give us an opportunity, if the person allows, for us to talk about the very issue that's on their heart. And one of the things you should agree with, even if it wasn't you, is that, yeah, hypocrisy is among us. This is part of the package. There's hypocrisy in the church. There's also hypocrisy in the library and at Safeway. And you still go there. And you open up opportunities to go, yeah, that just validate the fact that they experienced something by someone. Yeah. And now what? How can we help you get over this? How can I, as a part of the body of Christ, interconnected with each other, how can I help you for the hypocrisy you experienced from us? How can I help you? I'm sorry. And you know, if you come back another time, you'll probably experience it again. And again, because there's a lot of hurting people there. There's a lot of people whose lives are upside down, sideways. And you know, maybe you hit a guy on the wrong day, or you hit a gal on the wrong night. And, and it was just bad. Let, let's, let's talk this through because think about it. Even if they were going through a difficult time, they were still in a church worshiping God. They, they were still steadying on. They were still wanting to grow in God's grace. And you can turn these things around instead of being defensive, instead of suffering for doing evil ourselves, instead of fighting and shaking the fist, we have opportunity to really progress the kingdom of God in difficult times. That's what Peter's saying. You have that opportunity. I have that opportunity. And it all stems from verse 17. Do I believe that it's better 
Here are my options. There's only two. To suffer in the will of God for doing good or doing evil. Which way do I want to suffer? And over and over again, I find that my answer to that question is, I want to suffer for doing good. That's even hard to say. You might want to say it out loud tonight, sometime tonight. Say, you know what, Lord, I want to suffer according to your will for doing good. I know you want to say I don't want to suffer, and I respect that. You can say that too. You know, actually, Lord, I really don't want to, but here is where I'm at. I am suffering, and I am going through it, and it is painful, but I want my life to remain with a clean conscience, enduring the defamation, enduring the slander, enduring the things that are designed to destroy my life while I'm still doing good conduct, verse 16, in Christ. And that God will work it all out, that they'll be ashamed, maybe here, maybe at the great white throne judgment, maybe it was another believer and they're at the Bema seat and see how they wasted their whole life. While you were doing good and they continue to do evil, God used you and never used them again. Maybe that's where they'll be ashamed. I don't know. That's not my business. Jesus makes it really simple. Do good, Ed. Yes, Lord. But they're doing this, Lord. No, just do good. Keep your eyes on me. What we learn in Hebrews, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of the Father. He completed the work that the Father gave him, and so can you, in him. This is Abounding Grace, and Pastor Ed Taylor is leading a study of 1 Peter right now. You can hear these radio programs on our website anytime at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to go and grow in the Word is by downloading our app. Search for Ed Taylor. This is a great way for you to take in the Word of God wherever you may be. Look for us on Apple Podcasts, too. Pastor Ed, in today's lesson, we received the challenge. Always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks about the hope that we have. Now, I'd imagine quite a few of our listeners really struggle with sharing their faith and answering questions. Do you have any suggestions for the shy among us or those who feel inadequate for the task? Well, that feeling of inadequacy is a normal feeling. Don't add to that feeling, this feeling of being bad about it or condemned over it, but face it. Uh, you know, Paul, when he was writing to Timothy, he told him and encouraged him through his timidity and reminded him that there is courage and strength found in just doing what God's called you to do. And I, I know sharing the gospel and, and ministering to people and connecting with people and obeying Matthew 18 and all of that, it's, it's awkward until it's not. Like you face it, and then the Lord will give you the strength in the moment to get through it to say the hard things. It's much worse to let things go. It's much worse to not never evangelize. It's, ne it's much worse to not engage other people in their lives. But you can still be you. You don't have to be someone else. You're going to be you, uh, and God is going to use you. Uh, and maybe you just need to beef up on the basics. And you can email me directly, ed at edtaylor.org, and I'll send you a great little discipleship booklet that uh, I'll send you a link where you can download it for free and print it out, and it will help you just re-acquaint re yourself and be reminded of the basics of the faith, and it'll encourage you and it'll equip you as you minister to the gospel to people. So, you know, the inadequacy, I did a podcast episode on that, by the way, 
I'm pretty sure we kicked off our podcast. That was the first, um, the very first edition, the very first episode was God Can Use Anyone and that feeling of inadequacy. So you can go to lead to serve, L-E-A-D, the number two serve on any podcast, you know, put my name in any podcast uh, network that you subscribe to and it should be there. And we'd love to help you and encourage you. Remember, email me and I'll send you a link for a discipleship packet. That is very helpful. Thanks again. Is there an afterlife? What is heaven like? How will we spend our time there? And what does it mean to see God face to face? Questions like these enter our minds as we contemplate what's next after we die. In The Case for Heaven, Lee Strobel investigates the evidence for life after death. You'll read fascinating conversations with respected scholars and experts, including a neuroscientist from Cambridge University who has analyzed a thousand accounts of near-death experiences. You'll receive compelling reasons for why death isn't the end of our existence, but a transition to an exciting world to come. Request a copy of The Case for Heaven today when you give a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Call 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryco.store. Well, that'll do it for today. Come back tomorrow when Pastor Ed Taylor will pick up where we left off in First Peter here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.